Just a quick update before we get into the word, amen. Um, as some of you have realized, amen, we are making some pretty good progress on our air conditions, getting them to work as well, amen. We got some cooling this morning, praise the Lord. Um, they've got a few uh, other issues to deal with, and the plan is for them to come back on Monday and to continue to work and to, to fix them. They've got one working at probably... I think he said around 90%, and the other one is, oh, maybe 50% or so. So once our, both of them are all the way up, if we really wanted to, we ought to be able to get it colder in here than even it is now. Amen. Sister Penman, that ain't a whole lot of good news for you over there, is it? <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord for that. Amen. All right. Amen. So on today... Uh, we're going to continue in our series of lessons out of Matthew chapter 5. Amen. Let us go to Matthew chapter 5. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 5. Amen. Lord. He went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I just want to talk with you a little while from the thoughts, the Beatitudes, part eight. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Beatitudes, part eight. Once again, we find ourselves in the first sermon preached by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the sermon is aptly titled, The Sermon on the Mount. Once again, as a review, that the Sermon on the Mount consists of chapters 5, chapter 6, and chapters 7. But in this beginning or introduction, the verses that we are dealing with about blessedness is labeled the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. And I contend that the writers and the way that they laid out the Beatitudes is that verse 10 is the end of that particular Beatitude that says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But I believe with the flow of the text that verse 11 goes just right along with the same of the Beatitudes. And that is, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Because he goes on to say, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We remember from last week that Matthew was writing his gospel to the Jews. To the Jews to portray to them that Jesus is king. Not king of the kingdom of the world, but the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom that exists in this realm, but a kingdom of another realm. We've talked about time and time again when Pilate's poignant words to Jesus were, Are you a king? And he said, Yes, you say rightly. But my kingdom is not of this world. If it were so, my servants would not allow me to be delivered to the Jews. My kingdom is not this realm. So here we find the Sermon on the Mount as the king's manifesto. The king's objectives, his requirements, his vision for his kingdom. He gives us the steps and the, the attitude and the actions 
that are necessary to be part of the kingdom and how to also operate in the kingdom once you're in. And we discussed how that he came into a religious culture that had all kinds of ideas about how the kingdom should be brought and Jesus pierces right into it with a whole nother direction and objective that was anti-anything that they were thinking. Anti-Pharisaical, anti-Sadducee, anti-Essene, anti-Zealot. It was not about the traditions of men. It was not about modernization. It was not about separation. It was not about political activism and military might. But it was about the way that the king of kings and the lord of lords wanted his kingdom agenda completed. And he comes in with the Beatitudes and he says, this is how you become happy. He says, I bring happiness. And this word blessed is another translation for happy. So he says, if you really want to be happy, you follow my prescription for happiness. Because we have discussed in times past how the world's pursuit of happiness always ends up empty. When we pursue bigger houses and fancier things, we get the big house, but before we know it, now it's time to paint it again, or the furnace breaks, or the air conditioner breaks down. Everything we get here on this earth is always on a downward spiral. We get the fancy car, but then we're going down the street, down 71 highway, and all of a sudden, we hear a popping noise and now our engine has lost its power and it's on the side of the road. Yes, we're driving a 500 SEL Mercedes Benz, but it's still on the side of the road because everything man makes has flaws. Amen. Nothing man makes will be eternal. But yet the world pursues its happiness in the consisting of the abundance of things that men possess. The Versace suits and the Louis Vuitton purses and all of these things, we, the coaches and the Dooney and Burks and all of these things that the world grasps for, but they're all fleeting because only the happiness is for a little while. It never lasts. It always runs out. I remember when I said, if I could just get to be an engineer, I was going to be happy. And I matriculated through the university and I got my engineering degree and I got my computer science degree and I said, okay, I'm on my way now. And I began to work in corporate America and began to do the work of an engineer. But I found after a while that it was a whole lot more about politics than it was engineering. So then I started to say, well, what am I doing here? I came here to design circuits. I came here to write computer programs. And all I'm doing is shaking hands and playing around with these folks about stuff that don't even matter. So all of my dreams and aspirations about where I was going to get and to be happy started to fall apart. My pictures started to crack up. And I'm looking and I'm saying, well, what is it in this world? But then the Lord spoke to me and he showed me in his word 
how true happiness comes. And it doesn't look anything like the way the world or our culture pursues it. But it comes from the scriptures. And Jesus said, if you're going to be happy, you got to come to me and be spiritually bankrupt. If you're going to be happy, you got to come and say, my cup is empty and I have no way of filling it. Lord, you fill my cup. Not more of me, but all of you. Amen. And then he says, if you're going to be happy, you got to learn how to mourn over your sins. When you're sinful, you got to start to have a godly sorrow about the sins of your life. But then it extends that you must mourn over those outside of yourself who also sin. And then you can be happy. Because the text says, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Each one of these beatitudes has a present day effectiveness, but also what I mentioned as what's an eschatological perspective, which all it means is a future thing. It means that there's a blessing in here, there's a happiness right now, but then there's a greater happiness to come. Because you do know that we got a kingdom to go to. We got a kingdom that we have not seen. The Bible says that Jesus himself says, when you look for the kingdom, don't say it's here or there. Because the kingdom is inside of you. When all the saints of God have been caught up in that great coronation and that when God begins to glorify us and change us and rearrange us and mold us and shape us into the righteous ones we are to be, then there we will see the kingdom where there will be no more tears and no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be hello and never goodbye. The former pains will be washed away. But we will be with those who will never, no longer be selfish for themselves and walk over you. But the most important thing is that when the manifestation comes, that we will be able to behold the glory of God. We will be able to see the Lord face to face. And that's the day that I'm looking for. And that in that day that when I see him, that he says, thou servant, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. See, that eschatological, that, that future thing I'm looking for, I'm looking for the change. I'm looking for when I no longer have to battle with the sin in my life. That that war that's going on on the inside. That as Paul says, the good that I would do, that's not what I end up doing. But that which I didn't want to do, that's what I end up doing. When that day is gone, no longer am I battling with the law of sin and the law of God. But everything is righteous and complete in that great day. But the text goes on to say, if you're going to be happy, you have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness alone. As we discuss, when somebody is thirsty, they don't want lattes, they want water. When they're hungry, they don't want a fine Italian soup, they want food. So we thirst after righteousness because we are hungry to be like the Lord. 
And we know that the Lord is everlastingly, eternally righteous. And that our righteousness is continuing to be built. We don't just want a little bit of righteousness, but we want to keep continuing to thirst and hunger after it. Because there's an eternal store of righteousness for us to be like the Lord. The Bible says all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And that next verse lets us know that we are predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. And so we hunger and thirst to be like Jesus. Not like the latest pop star, not like somebody on the news. We don't need to be like basketball players or actors. We need to be like Jesus. We don't want to mix up righteousness with anything else. We don't want a hunger and thirst for righteousness and a fine home. Hunger and thirst for righteousness and a fancy car. Righteousness and fame. That's not, we want to be solely focused on becoming more like Christ. And the only way to do it is by receiving his righteousness. So the text goes on to say, blessed are those who are merciful for they shall obtain mercy. I don't know about you but I need God's mercy. I don't know about you but because I should be in a burning hell way down in my grave. I shouldn't be here today for the things that I have done in my life. But his mercy he prevented judgment from coming on me when it should have. And so therefore I am merciful because I'm thankful to the Lord for all he has done for me. I should have been dead, sure enough sleeping in my grave. But the goodness of Jesus, he said, judgment, not yet. So because of the gratefulness of how I have in my heart, I want to show mercy to somebody else. But Jesus got this thing fixed, y'all. That the more mercy you show, the more mercy is shown to you. And I don't know about you, but I I realize even now since I am baptized by the Holy Spirit, washed in his blood, and I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm still not doing everything right. I'm still doing some things that I shouldn't do. And I'm not doing some things that I should. But thank God for mercy. Because it gives me another day to do that which I hadn't done yesterday. As Lamentation says, that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So we look at our text and we find that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You can't see the Lord unless your heart is pure. But we got to be like David and realize that we can't make ourselves clean. David said in Psalm 51, he said, Create in me a clean heart, that I might not sin against thee. But he went on to say, Purge me with hyssop. He said, Get down there in them crevices. Get back in those back rooms and back in them places that I've got hidden. And get that stuff out of me that even I don't want to share with you. Purge me, Jesus. And only he can. And then we can see God. We see God in this world when he's given us a pure heart. Because we cannot see with the blinders of sin on. The Bible says 
And David says, he said, I have secret sins, and while they were so, that my bones waxed old. David was dying in his secrecy. We don't want to be there. We want to live and flourish. We want the Lord to come in and get that killer sin out of our life, to cleanse us up. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us of, of our sins, forgive us, and make us righteous. Amen. So when we look at our text today, we see that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Oh, I'm so glad that I'm in his family. I'm so glad that I'm not an outcast. I'm not on the outside of the kingdom. For in the Old Testament times, that the citizens of the kingdom got all the resources of that country. But those on the outside were not privy, didn't have access to all the goodness of that country. But I'm so glad that I have access to the kingdom of God and all his riches. Because God says the silver and the gold is his. The cattle on a thousand hills and the hill thereof. He said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell in it. I'm so glad that I am a son of God. So sons and daughters of God, you got access. And so because we have access, we want to make peace. Because it's by the peace of God that we have access. We were once enemies of God when we were lovers of the world. But when when he took us out of the darkness and put us in the marvelous light, we got peace with him and now he loves us. So we go out seeking others to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ so that they might have peace with God. Because peace with man will only last a little while, but peace with God is everlasting. And so we go on in our text. And we get to our text of emphasis. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When I look at that text, it causes me some discomfort. It causes me a little nervous. And the reason why I get nervous is because of my human condition. Nobody likes to suffer. Amen. As we can see during our days of the air condition not working so well. We didn't like to be too hot. We don't like to be too cold in the winter. We want our furnaces to work. But here in this text. The text is saying happy are those who are persecuted. The Greek word for this word persecuted is translated harassed. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be harassed. When I was growing up as a kid in Texas, sometimes I would be out late into the evening, maybe 9 or 10 o'clock when I was a teenager, and maybe I'd be riding home, and a lot of times I had these I don't know, Sister Terry, what would you call a janky bicycle? Amen. Uh, I guess I call it a raggedy bicycle. That, uh, you know, I get halfway home and the chain break. I get halfway home and the ball bearings come out. And now my, my uh, pedal is hanging off. So now instead of me riding my bicycle home, I'm pushing it. 
Or maybe the spokes wheels would get whopped. I'd hit a bump and whop my wheel. Well, this happened a whole lot more times than I would care to remember because it wasn't a good thing. I, I didn't like to have to push my bicycle home. But there would be some nights as I'm riding home that the police would come up beside me and he'd turn on that light and flash it on me. And then he'd stop me with my raggedy bicycle. And then he'd get out of the car and say, is this your bicycle? Now, my daddy taught me to be respectful to authority, so I, I just kindly said yes. But in my mind, I was saying, who? Come on now. Is going to have something like this to steal? I don't think so. But I was being harassed, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. To this day, that's why I don't really have a fond relationship with police today, to be real honest about it. I got harassed a lot of times about a lot of nothing. And then when I needed help, they drove on by. So, here we are. Now Jesus says, blessed are those who are harassed. And you're like, wait a minute. Jesus? Are you sure that blessed are they who, who are right? How am I going to be happy when folk are stereotyping me and putting me in categories that I don't belong? How am I going to be happy when people are bothering me when I ain't bothering nobody else? But Jesus let us see something here. If you look at the text closely, he says, blessed or happy are those who are harassed for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now we've heard this reward once before in the earlier verses, for that happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying something to us about persecution. He's saying something about being harassed. He's not talking about being harassed because you're African-American, harassed because you're a male, or harassed because you're a female, harassed because you're from this city or that city, harassed because you represent this line or that line, harassed because you're on this party or that party. He's talking about another kind of harassment for a whole nother reason, and that's for righteousness' sake. You see, that when you begin to walk for the Lord, you become an offense to the world. No matter how well you love them and want to see the best for them, you walking right in the sight of the Lord causes discomfort to them because you're shining the light of Jesus on their dark and dismal behavior. Men love darkness much more than they love the light. And so therefore, when you start to walk holy, you start to shine a light on unholiness. So the reason why you are harassed is not because of you, but because of the one that you represent. 
Because it's righteousness that you represent Christ in. When you walk holy, then you walk as an ambassador to Christ. It's Jesus and his word and his life that's coming through you that's offending the world. But because you are the vessel, you become the one whom the affliction is put on. But there's good news in this text because in verse 11 it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. He says, when they pass you up for a promotion because you like to wear the t-shirt that says, I love Jesus. And, and you got the saying that says, with God all things are possible. And you got the words that are sitting on your board that says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to whomever believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek. When they see these things, it's an offense to them because the words of Jesus goes against what they want to do. But that's all right because he's saying when all of this happened, happy are you. But then I began to think about this whole text. And I began to look at it and I say, when they say all manners of evil against me, when they lie on me and they scandalize my name, in the midst of that, I should be happy. But all I really want to do is go somewhere and just sit down. I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to do my job, and I'm trying to do what's right, and I'm trying to go the path that I need to go. I don't like them bothering me and lying on me. And I say, well, if you don't want me to do it, I'll just go on. But then if I try to sit down on the work that God has given me, if you try to sit on on the work that God has given you, he needs and he wants us to be out in the world. To continue to let the world know that there is a reality in serving a true and living God. So if we just sit quiet and don't say a word, all of a sudden something happens on the inside. Jeremiah said it. It's like fire. Shut up in my bones. And I can't hold my peace. I got to keep telling folk about the good news of Jesus. And all that he's done for me. And then when I look at our text, I see rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's good news. Because this text says, jump for joy when you are persecuted. Skip and laugh. Because great is your reward. Because one of these old days, when this whole world burns up, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming down from the lights. For me and it's for you. The Bible says, believe in God. Jesus says, also believe in me. For in my Father's house, hallelujah, are many.
him. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare it, I will come again. And I, you will be with me. And I will take you back to glory. That one of these days, and it ain't going to be very long. But Job says, a man born of a woman's life is short and full of trouble. But one of these old days, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. One of these old days, the former life will be remembered no more. I don't know about you, but I'm looking toward that day. And so the fire shut up in my bones won't let me keep my peace. Somebody had to hold my mule. Because Jesus, the son of the living God, he died one Friday evening for me. And my sins were buried with him. He was in that grave for three days and three nights. But early, early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. Ain't that good news, children? That one of these days, he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. That be you and that be me. And we'll be caught up in that great coronation at the trumpet sound, at the blink of an eye. We all shall be changed. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Amen. Amen. And now, there just may be somebody here who doesn't know our Lord and Savior in the pardon of their sin. You can get to know him today. And he can reveal this blessedness to you. That you might have everything that he wants for his children. Jesus paid it all on the cross. And it won't cost you a dime. Come as you are and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And come and live in my heart. And he will because that was his purpose. That is the kingdom agenda. Blessed are ye that are poor in spirit that say, Lord, I ain't got nothing inside of me. I'm empty and I need you to come in. Save me. Make me. Rearrange me. Turn me in to the one you would have me to be.
that this study that we've had on the Beatitudes has given some eye-openers to us as a congregation to what Jesus really requires from us. Because as we began to deal with scriptures and the whole counsel of God, I believe we start to see that whom we thought Jesus was or whom, how we thought he thought, the scriptures began to show us new nuances and how Jesus really thought about things. And I believe out of his whole counsel, we'll be better Christians than when we first began. That by the time he's calling our names, that we will be good and faithful servants. And that we can enter in the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Will we all stand for our benediction. Amen.
go with him, with him. Oh, the way. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all we have seen and heard on this day. Lord, thank you for the songs of edification, O oh God. Lord, thank you for the saints of God and their praise. Lord, thank you for your word on today, Master. Lord, as we complete the introduction to your great sermon on the mount, Lord, help us to seek real happiness. Lord, help us to put down those things that we thought were so important in the world. Lord, help us to realize that life does not consist of the abundance of things that men possess. But we want more of you and we want less of ourselves. So Lord, be so kind and be so sweet to continue to pour our fresh oil on our heads, oh God. Anoint us with your Holy Spirit because in order for us to be all that you want us to be, Master, we can't do it by ourselves. We need your Holy Spirit to continue to fill up our cups, to continue to, continue to cut on those areas that need to be cut away, to go into those closets and clean out all of that gunk, that muck and mire that does not please you, O oh God. And Lord, make us steadfast and unmovable. Give us a heart for the harvest, O oh God that more men, women, boys, and girls may know about this reality of serving a true and living God. And Lord, as we prepare to give, oh God, Lord, I ask that you bless the offering that we're about to give. Lord, bless it for kingdom building, oh God. Keep our minds, and as we move forward in our ministry, oh God, Lord, increase it two, four, six, eight, tenfold, Master, according to your will, Master. And we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and the glory. As we go from this place to our prospective homes, Lord, keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. We want to be careful to give your name all the praise and all the glory. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. And come around and shake my hand.